Bakeless Nation, we got an extra show for you today. Here we got a panel of cross-chain experts. We got Zachy Mannion from Cosmos, we got Steven Goldfeder from Arbitrum, and new to Bankless, Sergey Gorbanov from Axelar. Axelar is a newer IBC chain on the scene. It's been around for a while, but it's new to me. Uh, and it is working on interchain composability. So not only is the world of Cosmos and IPZ chains a world of interoperable mesh network of Cosmos layer ones, but also Axelar specifically is working on interoperability beyond the IBC realm. Uh, and so the announcement going out today is that Axelar's new technology, what they are calling general message passing, is connecting the world of Arbitrum to the world of Cosmos, which is why Stephen Goldfeder from Arbitrum is on this panel as well. So previously, we have been skeptical at Bankless about cross-chain bridges. Uh, generally, the position that everyone that we've seen so far is fundamentally insecure. And I am still cautiously optimistic about Axelar, but there is a lot of new technology that they are bringing to the table. And so they are able to produce what seems to be a meaningful integration between Cosmos and Arbitrum that has both communities pretty excited. And uh, according to Sergey from Axelar, the interconnections between different chains doesn't stop there. Because if you can connect the IBC language of Cosmos to the EVM language of Ethereum, you can actually kind of connect any languages from any blockchain, or at least that's the idea. And so if you are into the world of the many layer one landscape with, with bridges connecting all of these things, this episode is definitely for you. And so we're going to get right into that conversation with Zachy, Steven, and Sergey. But first, before we talk to Zachy, Steven, and Sergey on this show, we're going to talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible, especially Bankless Nation. We have two returning guests and one new one, Zachy Mannion from Cosmos. Zachy, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. And Steven Goldfeder from Arbitrum. What's up, Steven? How's it going? Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And also the new entrant into the Bankless Nation, we have Sergey Gorbanov from Axelar. And this is the, the center of this announcement. Sergey, welcome to Bankless. Hey, good to be here. So today we're, we're talking about chains and bridges and a particular new type of expressive bridge that Axelar is bringing to the table. So Sergey, since you're the new one of the bunch to, to the Bankless uh, podcast, uh, could you just explain a little bit about Axelar, what it is and can just tee us up for this announcement that we are going to be talking about here on this episode today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, high level Axelar is a network that connects other networks, right? So it's a decentralized, uh, you know, blockchain technology that allows you to connect different layer ones and layer twos and send information across them, right? And so uh, we build a kind of a full stack of interoperability that allows you to compose your applications across different ecosystems, right? So you can have smart contracts on one chain, talk to smart contracts on another chain, and really enable kind of very simple uh, developer and user experience to interact with multi-chain ecosystem that we live in now, right? And so Axel is a decentralized layer that you know enables a lot of this functionalities. And Axelar is a Cosmos IBC chain. Uh, and so like many of the other Cosmos IBC chains, it just fits right in into that mesh network landscape of Cosmos chains, correct? That's right. Yeah. So actually is powered by kind of a tenderman, right? And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, rules around the consensus have been customized to go beyond Cosmos, right? So be able to connect different ecosystems like Ethereum, like, you know, layer ones, like Arbitrum Optimism and so on and so forth, and kind of a really be the, the connector across different software language stacks. Right. So this is, uh, this is where the explanation for Axelar kind of gets a little funny because we have Cosmos, which is a network of chains. 
And then we have Axelar, which is supposed to connect the Cosmos network of chains to other chains. So can you, can you just like open up that, that can of worms and, and help explain that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Cosmos has been built, right, with interoperability mindset at its core, right? And so kind of IBC protocol, you know, can be used quite well to connect a lot of the Cosmos ecosystems, right? Uh, but, the, but the reason IBC works and everything else is because the Cosmos stack has been designed with interoperability in mind, right? So IBC is kind of a very uh, native to the Cosmos ecosystem. All of the chains speak the same language. And so, you know, IBC helps you put uh, packets back and forth across them. Now, if you want to go outside of Cosmos, right, to EVM chains, you know, to Arbitrum and so on and so forth, you have to speak a different language, right? Then you have to have a different protocol in mind to connect those chains, right? And so this is where Axelor comes in, right? So our protocol, you know, can be used to connect an arbitrary EVM stack, um, you know, and then uh, be able to compose those ecosystems with each other, right? And with other sort of Cosmos chains, right? So, and you can think of Axelor acting as a sort of a translation layer in that, in that process, right? So you have messages or transactions that can be executed on uh, EDM chains that can uh, be translated into the sort of the packet formats or messages that can be executed on Cosmos chains and vice versa, right? And so Axelis sort of allows you to connect these software stacks that speak very different languages and, you know, sort of unite them together. So uh, previously, generally on, on Bankless, we were critical of cross layer one bridges, uh, generally as a form factor, we kind of think as a as a structural pattern that they are insecure. Um, they tend to kind of collapse down to just a multi-sig. Uh, so how how is Axelar different in that respect? Yeah, so Axelar is one of the only you know, one of the very few networks that's sort of fully decentralized and then the powers you know interoperability, right? So it's powered by you know Tendermint. It's an open you know validator set. Anybody can participate. Anybody can join. You know, and security is something we took very seriously kind of from the ground up, right? So at the core networking layer, you know, the network is decentralized. It has, you know, robust security policies like quadratic loading, right, for process and cross-chain requests, you know, validator key rotations and so on and so forth. So that's sort of the base layer, right? It's a very secure, very decentralized network. Um, on top of it, you know, if you're thinking about security for cross-chain, you have to have very robust engineering practices, right? So everything from, you know, We've done over 40 audits on the network, right? Multi-million dollar bug bounties, you know, lots of rigorous like unit tests and so on and so forth. So so you have to have the operational, you know, um, excellence, right? If you want to ship anything cross-chain, um, you know, and then finally what I call is like application layer security add-ons, right? So if you are transferring value between chains, then in your code, right? Or in your uh, functionality, you may want to have things like rate limits, right? That would prevent, you know, worst case disaster attacks, you know, at the networking layer. Um, so that's how we think about security, kind of a from the ground up, uh, full stack approach, making sure you have multiple robustness, um, you know, uh, protocols in place uh, throughout it. And, and the, rest, the end of it can be actually a very, very secure, you know, and, and scalable architecture. Um, you know, and the, the final point I'll mention there, kind of a new paradigms, Things like, you know, general message passing that we have a lot of applications building with actually enable you to build different class of applications that don't rely on explicitly token bridges, right? Don't rely on token transfer in particular. And those designs can be a lot more secure. And, you know, we can go into the details of it, but I'd say that's the new wave of how cross-chain um, applications will be built out is using kind of general message passing paradigms that enable a very new architecture and design space that's more secure by default. 
And that, that's the subject matter of the announcement that's going out of Axelar today, correct? That That is the, the big thing. So like, there, there's a big thing happening. There's an announcement that Axelar is making. It's called uh, Sommelier, is that correct? Sommelier. Sommelier. I'm not French. Uh, sommelier. Should be. Um, so, <laughs> so Zachy, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll turn to you. Can Since you're the one wearing the uh, sommelier shirt, uh, yeah, what so, is this announcement? And technically, what does it do? Yeah, yeah. So co-founder of sommelier. Sommelier is a project that I started with my uh, with Christy, uh, my co-founder, back in like sort of early 2021, right around the time when IBC was launching. Um, but it was really, you know, it's been a passion project about the combination of Ethereum DeFi and EVM DeFi and Cosmos tech. So the idea was to build us a decentralized active strategy manager. So like essentially like think of it as Yearn 2.0. Um, mm -hmm. It was like, you want to, because Yearn strategies, anyone who's used them has seen a pattern. You know, you start out, APYs are really high. You put more, as more money comes into them, the, 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 the returns get diluted um, and you got to, and you've got to pivot to the next Yearn strategy. And it's just sort of this uh, sort of endless process. And so, wanted to build a, a, a protocol for strategies that adapt, evolve over the time, but didn't give up decentralization. And it was always sort of a core value for me that like, we wouldn't be bridging tokens. Bridging tokens, super hard to do well and a lot of risk, right? There's all this risk associated with it. But what we wanted, what we thought we realized is by bridging essentially data and rebalances, um, like sort of trades, we could manage the trades on the Cosmos side. So you could have like strategy signal providers um, that are, you know, DeFi experts talking to validators. Those validators agree on uh, and process proposed trades before they happen. Like they agree and it gets bridged over. So we've been using our own bridge for over a year um, to run our strategies. And we have like, we have two strategies right now that collectively have about 17 million TVL. We have the best stablecoin yield on Ethereum, real yield USD. Uh, and the best ETH denominated yield on Ethereum, uh, real yield ETH. Um, these two strategies are these adaptive market adaptive strategies. They can scale, they can do, they can allocate into multiple strategies. They don't have to compromise decentralization for this and they never bridge the tokens. So, you know, you, uh, you aren't taking this like security risk of the bridge when you use the system. Mm -hmm. But like the the hottest place to be in DeFi right now, where all of our strategists are like, where how can we get on Arbitrum? When can we get on Arbitrum? Uh, uh, you know, it's clearly the coolest, hottest place to be in DeFi, right? Uh, most protocols, most exciting stuff, lots of volume, lots of TVL. Um, and so been looking for what would be the right way of doing that. Um, and have been keeping an eye on Axelar uh, for a long time. Um, and realized that this composability between IBC and uh, EVM was possible and realized, you know, we could almost, we could in a very short order get access to the ability to run our strategies, you know, sommelier strategies on Arbitrum and, you know, many other EVM. Uh, and like, you know, it's like, I mean, people don't really know this about me that I've been, you know, building this massive, like a very large scale, very sophisticated Ethereum project. I'm like, you know, we just joined the ERC four six two six alliance. We're like, we're I'm like basically an ETH DeFi maxi at this point, like, uh, and like love using it. Um, and uh, yeah, so this was like huge enabling technology 
Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it took us basically two years to get sommelier to like full maturity and a lot of money and a lot of time, but like the next generation of builders, the builders who come after all of this can just use Axelar and immediately take like combine Cosmos tech and ETH tech to build something like bigger, better, amazing in like, you know, months. Okay. So my understanding of this so far is that Axelar Cosmos IBC chain fits right into the Cosmos IBC ecosystem. And then we have Arbitrum with this very vibrant DeFi ecosystem on the other side. And these things are disparate. They are disconnected. While Axelar does have cross-chain cross -chain, um, communication capabilities, I don't think that they are meaningfully differentiated from bridging from, from the cross-chain bridges that, that Bankless has previously been uh, concerned about. But this is when some somebli sorry. Sommelier. <laughs> sorry, Zach. It was sommelier. Uh, I might Som. have to do that a third time. Som. 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 And th but this is where Som comes in and, and changes the game, correct? So just at a high level brushstroke, that's that's what we're talking about? Is that a, is that a way to do yeah, this? Yeah. I mean, well, we're like the first of what is a category of applications, right? Okay. I don't think the bridge applications of tomorrow and today really look like the bridge applications of the past. Like mm -hmm. the bridges of the past were like, okay, I need to like, I want to go like ape into this like high APY tool on like some weird chain. I'm going to like bridge my stable coins or my other coins over. And like, that's, you know, that's, that's been the bridging experience of, you know, the last two years. Um, what sommelier is, is like, no, we're getting you the best ETH native yield. We're going to get you the best Arbitrum native yields. We're going to get you the best... Uh. We're not sucking your liquidity into some new ecosystem. We're making your liquidity more effective, more efficient, more powerful in its in where it's natively. Um, so you know, uh, for for Arbitrum native DeFi protocols, all like the GMXs, the uh, the options protocols, the uh, the Camelot Dexes of the world, we're building optimized experiences there using the cross chain tech. Okay, so I think I misspoke. So Som Somlier is a DeFi app. It's in it's an yeah. application. It's in the application layer. And so yeah. I misspoke when I said that it is the thing doing the magical bridging. What, yeah. the, the magical what bridging is, is Axor. We right. are we are the application layer of, and like we are the application layer that's really highlighting what can be done now. So yeah. Sergey, where where just, is this? Uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, just just to add to that, right? Like, so traditional like Axler has been kind of composing Cosmos and a lot of EVM chains for the one of the you know exciting applications was the bridging, moving tokens around, right? Um, and I think like like Zach like said, I think sort of moving tokens around is is cute, but it's we kind of turned you know humans into manual routers, right? That they have to move their tokens back and forth just to use one application, right? And so you know, I think what we're doing like with the upgrade for the general message pass, and what mean what it means is that you can have applications on Cosmos, you can have applications, you know, on Arbitrum that can talk to one another by issuing contract calls and sending messages, right? And so what that enables you is to have liquidity wherever you want it to be, but manage the contracts and manage and compose the applications, you know, in the same way as you could compose them if they were all like on Arbitrum, right? But certain applications, you know, could not be built on a layer one or layer two on its own, like Samalier, it needs its own validator set, it, it has its own uh, security to model and things like that. So those those need like separate stacks. 
but now they can have the same level of composability with all the applications and you know all the liquidity on these chains as if they were actually residing there. So I think that's you know that's the exciting part. And sort of that's the the general message passenger sort of paradigm, right? That we kind of open it up between these two software stacks. So I was talking to to Zaki before the show, and we were talking about just like the war against non-interoperability. And I called it like a front, right? A front that we need to advance in order to create interoperability. And there's like marginal improvements. You get you get across chain bridges, you get some some language efficiencies, you get you get to improve. And uh, so I was trying to like weight the magnitude of what is being announced today, which is just to make it really specific, Axlar's general messaging passaging is the announcement that we are talking today, the, the GMP. Uh, and so like the, the answer that he gave me was like, I was trying to measure it between like a small incremental step and like a breakthrough that we've never seen before in the world of crypto economics. And so I'll, I'll throw that question to, to you, uh, to Sergey. The, the general gist I'm getting is like, this is a large step forward. It's not, it's not like a zero to one breakthrough moment that we have totally upended the world of crypto economics, but this is not just a, an incremental improvement. H help me understand like how big of a deal this is for the world of, of cross-chain interoperability. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time where you can have very two different software stacks, right? Like EVM stack and a Cosmos stack being fully composable with one another, right? Um, you know, through Excel and through the, through the general message passage. On EVM land, you know, it's much easier to compose things, you know, and actually have been doing like general message passing there, but across different software stacks like Cosmos and EVM, it's, you know, it's much harder to do, right? Um, you know, like, like Zaki said, they sort of spent, you know, kind of a two years building the initial version that connected to, you know, Ethereum, right? So how do you do that for all the chains, for all the Cosmos and all the, you know, EVM chains? And that, that you know, that's what we've done with a very simple architecture. So, um, you know, what I view it is a step forward to have better developer and better user experiences where people, you know, don't have to think about bridging, don't have to think about moving their tokens that would in turn, you know, enable us to have more users in the ecosystem. Because I think, you know, right now it's very painful if you have, you like to play with an application, oh, it's in a different chain, oh, let me find the bridge, let me move my token, it's a different token, you know, oh, I need a wallet, I need to pay gas across all of those things. So all that stuff we can remove away, right? And so you can have, if you're a user of Samalier, you can just interact with Arbitrum and vice versa. If you if you have an application on Arbitrum, you want to submit a request and that request needs to be executed in an application in a Cosmos ecosystem, you'll be able to do that. So much, much simpler, you know, user experience, much better, you know, liqu liquidity properties. I think that's what, you know, it all enables to do. So Sergey, the, the, when I said like Bankless had previously been critical about cross-chain bridges, I think it is that um, migration of tokens across chain is where we start to get scared. And I think I think we are in agreement exactly. in that philosophy. It's like that is where the insecurity comes from. Uh, and so this is the new strategy that Axelar is pioneering is not token transfers, but data transfers. So you call it general mes uh, message passing to just allow chains to talk to each other, communicate messages to each other, not share assets with each other. And so I think it's it's uh, it's uh, saying that this is the new way to do interoperability is to not not share share assets but but share data. How does one actually achieve a fully expressive level of interoperability if only data can be passed? So you, you, the way that you and Zaki are talking uh, it's a, it's as if 
the full vision of interoperability is equivalent in this world? Are there any trade-offs in just like the message passing versus token passing world? And do we actually get the fully expressive interoperability world that we would get if we had secure token passing too? I mean, so, you can build secure, um, but yeah, I'll say briefly and second add on. Uh, you can build token transfers as an application on top of general message passing, right? So if you want to transfer tokens, you know, you can build that as an application. You should have, you know, robust security there, maybe rate limits and so on and so forth. So that you can do. And so I guess what general message passing allows you is to go, you know, sort of beyond that, like, like was said, right? Um, and sort of the analogy that I like using, right, is sort of we traditionally move the liquidity to where the application logic lives, right? And that's what creates like the painful experiences fragmentation. You can still do all of that if, you know, if you want to move liquidity and like build a bridging application. But, um, you know, with this new software sort of paradigm through general message passing, you can move the application logic to where the tokens are, execute that logic, and then return the result back to the user's wallet, okay? So I submit it with my wallet on like Cosmos chain, the transactions executed on Arbitrum, and I get the result back to my wallet. Liquidity is not moved. It's the interaction that we have, you know, um, within it. So you can build, it gives you kind of a, you know, you, you know, in Ethereum, right? I think everybody knows that EVM is sort of Turing complete, right? Meaning that you can build anything. And so with general message passing, it's sort of Turing complete way to compose, you know, chains and ecosystems that you can build anything in. You know, bridging could be one of the applications if you really feel like it but it doesn't get you the same level of experience. Sure. Zaki, you were going to add something? Yeah. I mean, I think that right now, the user experience that is most familiar to most users, most capital is like the EVM, like the MetaMask Gnosis safe type experience, right? Um, and that's primarily an experience that you want, you know, you want to be able to give um, so like when you interact with sommelier, you don't, you know, you don't know about the Cosmos side really as a user of really old ETH the real, and the same thing will be true for our Arbitrum strategies, right? Like you'll interact with all of them from MetaMask. You'll, you know, it'll feel like a complete, it, it always feels like a completely native Arbitrum or uh, experience, but you're getting all of these benefits sort of behind the scenes. And I think that that kind of application paradigm. And you think about how much more accessible it makes everybody uh, it to, to be able to like embed, like we need to be able to move away from this like current world where like when you want to do something, like every time you want to like access something new in blockchain, it's like, okay, I got to like learn a new wallet, learn a new ecosystem, learn new block explorers, learn everything, right? It's too much. Um, the sommelier version of multi-chain has been like you get all you get our, you're getting these enormous benefits of that just get expressed as better yields from the multi-chain world. But you're just like your user experience, what you know, you know, you can go look at a sommelier strategy on D-Bank, see where the assets are allocated. You can, you know, you can your transactions are all on either scan. You know, this is what the world would people want. So Stephen, you've been patiently waiting for us to arrive at the Arbitrum part of this conversation. From the, from the Arbitrum perspective, uh, if you could, if you, if one could speak for the protocol, why would the Arbitrum protocol be interested in this? Like, what's exciting from the Arbitrum side of things? Yeah, I think from a from a technology perspective, you know, I think it's all about access. Which is, I don't want to repeat the 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 points that have been made, but the idea is there are different. Um, 
ecosystems with different properties and allow you to do different things. And the question is, are these siloed uh, or can you access one from another? And you know, to, to Zaki's point, um, you have the sommelier, how did I do there? Just kidding. Uh, you have a sommelier, um, um, sommelier Cosmos chain, and that, that that has some really nice capabilities. For example, I think you know one of the things that I that I'm uh, uh, most excited about is the ability to ingest private data and, and use that to inform these strategies. And um, now the question is: um, So you have these strategies, you have this data, these strategies. What can you access there? I think that's where Axelar is helping. Oh, now you can access the Arbitrum ecosystem. You can access the, this as well, and. Um, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, bridging is 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 really really important. And actually, so I'll talk about the Arbitrum rollup bridge for a second. Um, many people don't know this, but that's also just the bridge between the native bridge between Ethereum and Arbitrum is a general message passing passing bridge, which most people use just use to, to bridge tokens. But obviously, there's a lot more uh, to explore when you when you look at general message passing, uh, be it between Ethereum and Arbitrum, be it in other ecosystems, and um, yeah, I think some of the real, really important value here in, in connecting these different chains in, in these different technologies is um, not being siloed and having the ability to uh, via you know securely. That's the key word here, and that's where the you know um, you know the good questions you're asking, David, um, uh, of course. And I think that's uh, you know uh, Sergey's uh, focus here is to securely be able to to bridge and, and access uh, these different ecosystems because uh, you know just two things. One is like there are different levels of, of, of expressiveness, different ideas of what you can do, you know, what you can do with private data. You, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do directly in, in these ecosystems. Also, the, the idea that you just want to access multiple ecosystems from your strategy. I think these are all really important. I think from, um, you know, the Arbitrum uh, from technology perspective, it's nice to have uh, to be open and accessible from from these different environments. And, and, and also, I'll just say one more thing on a multi-chain uh, you know, a multi-chain vision that I have, which is, you know, we get very focused here, or I get very focused on like, you know, the values that I care about, which is, you know, security and decentralization. And that's obviously what led to a lot of decisions that um, off-chain made early on when it was, you know, um, uh, initially designing the Arbitrum technology, or I was doing back when I was with Ed and Harry at Princeton. Um, that doesn't mean, though, that we have to ignore the fact that there are others that make different decisions. And I'm not talking about um, any of us here. I'm talking about some others, say, other layer ones or other layer twos that have different properties, um, they can have different values and different decisions that allow them to make a different set of trade-offs. It's all trade-offs, so there are always pros and cons, but the idea of being able to uh, talk to each other is still valuable, right? You don't always have to be so maxi and say, it's either you believe in our set of values and and and, and interact here or else, you know, get away from us. It's like, no, okay, you have, you know, this environment and there's this other environment and um, there's a different set of properties in them maybe expressiveness, expressiveness, maybe security, but can we bridge these? And I think Axelar via, you know, is, is, uh, you know, one of the great, great, a great project that's working on exactly solving this problem. And Smilier is, uh, um, one of the first users or the, perhaps the first user of this particular integration that's showing the power, uh, that can happen when you, um, grant this access from one ecosystem to another. So the, the image that I have in my mind about how this is, uh, I, I I try and turn these into like vis visual metaphors just because I understand the, those better. And so we have the uh, the Ethereum multi-layer two landscape. I, I always kind of view it as a tree with the tree trunk as the base layer, and then it branches out to the layer twos and then the layer threes on top of that. And then we have the philosophically aligned version of the Cosmos mesh network app chain system, which is like a like a like a bush or like a mycelial network. Mycelial network is a really important metaphor because 
what I'm seeing with Axelar here is that we are actually seeing the first cross connections, the first bridges uh, being made between the Arbitrum layer two and the Cosmos mesh network. I don't know if you call it a layer one, but the flat landscape of chains. Uh, and so uh, this, and, and Sergey, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea here is that this starts with GMP, the general message passaging. It starts with data as perhaps just like the small thread of connection that connects these two endpoints. But the, I'm assuming that it grows from there and it becomes a more robust than just data and can the, the actual threads can actually combine in a more robust way. That's my intuition. Uh, can you reflect on the accuracy of that metaphor and maybe, maybe perhaps they can make it a little more tangible for us? Yeah, no, so you're right, right? Like, so kind of a, the, the data itself that you can pass, right, can be, like I said, sort of arbitrary, right? Uh, and so when, I guess, like, when you, when you talk about reinforcing what can be done, is that where, you know, this is where we rely on builders like Samalia, right, to actually build the application logic into that data, right? So, you know, performing those types of, uh, you know, cross-chain calls, um, you know, and Axel will help you um, uh, facilitate all of the communication in parallel, right? I guess just, just to add one more thing to, I think, what Steven said, right? Like, I think why it's important, um, you know, to interoperate these ecosystems is to really allow innovation to continue to happen across the software stacks, right? I think we're still in the early days. I think there's still a lot of decisions to be made on how to scale. There's still a lot of decisions to be made, like how EVM should evolve, a lot of decisions how Cosmos should evolve, right? And so the interoperability between that means that, you don't, you know, you can innovate sort of any way that you want within Cosmos stack. You can innovate any way you like your application within the Arbitrum stack, right? But they can all still be kind of composable and, and, and talk to one another. And uh, yeah, kind of as more Cosmos chains, right? Like use the sort of the Axler for the general message passing, you know, you can think of them as more connections being made, right? Through the Axler and then Axler helps facilitate that with Arbitrum. So lots of data passing and on Arbitrum, you have a lot of applications that can consume the data from all of the Cosmos ecosystem through, you know, what we call like as a gateway smart contract. So you can talk to one contract and you have access to, you know, now like or hundreds, right, of Cosmos chains for, for free, essentially, right? So that's and kind of a one connection, but many to many on both sides of the equation. And, and Sergey, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the, the way that this works is that if you can connect an EVM chain like Arbitrum to a non-EVM chain like anything in Cosmos, uh, can't you do anything like you that's those are just two language types yeah. like you could do other language types as well correct correct yeah we already working with a lot of you know different uh layer ones right so stellar you know uh we're working with uh, kind of sui right like, like aptos uh, integration so pretty much anything that um yeah kind of has a smart contract capabilities can connect with Excel. and that was one of our requirements, right, uh, as we were designing the protocols to make sure we can plug and play interoperability, right? So don't require any changes from layer one or layer two, be able to come in and just serve a plug and play, make sure the protocol is like as light as possible, you know, requires as little effort as possible to integrate. And, uh, um, you know, again, like, um, that's very important, I think, in this phase of the ecosystem to allow innovation to happen across languages, across settlement layers, right, across consensus protocols, um, and having this sort of plug-and-play approach that you can talk with, you know, any different language or a virtual machine is, um, you know, pretty important. And that's what we're following. 
Okay, so I hate to get fixated on the bridge conversation, but just like remind me one more time about the security model for Axelar and how it's compared to to bridges in the past. Like we we've seen the the wormhole hack, we've seen the nomad hack, we've seen the road and bridge hack. Uh, we have cross chain bridge hack PTSD, and so I really want to just like drill down into this. Like, what's the security model for Axelar, and, and what's this de defense against uh, something like this? Yeah, so security models that Axel compared to a lot of the protocols that you mentioned is actually fully decentralized network, right? So it's not relying on a small like multi-sig, like three out of five or whatever was the, the Ronin hack where the keys got compromised, right? It's a decentralized network where you have lots of validators that are collectively processing all the cross-chain messages, right? And so what that means is that, you know, from a security side, you have security that backs, you know, the same model as backs a lot of like layer ones on their own, right? So layer ones have a decentralized validator set that sort of secures and processes, and you get security through, you know, having a consensus, right? And so that's what Axel is. It's a kind of a security through a decentralized open and, you know, permissionless validator set augmented with a lot of robust engineering and a lot of like application layer, you know, security features, right? Like, right, like rate limits, if you want to do a bridging application, right? Or things like that. Um, but it all starts at the very core, which, you know, you have to have the right sort of decentralized design um, to be able to diversify software deployments, to be able to, uh, you know, encourage as many participants as possible and not have a closed, you know, multi-sig between a few people. So does that, that makes it sound uh, something similar to like REN protocol, where it was a decentralized network of, uh, of nodes along with a native token that would do a lot of cross-chain infrastructure. Is it spiritually, are we in the correct area? Yeah, so I haven't looked at like the REN fully design. I mean, I'm not sure if their validator participation was fully decentralized, that anybody could actually join and anybody could participate. Um, but But yes, like, you know, in principle, if that's what they're doing, then yes. Okay, cool. Okay. And so like the, the, <laughs> the main question is like, man, like, why didn't we get here sooner? So, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, a lot of the cross chain layer, uh, cross chain bridges were just like multi-sigs. Right. And so kind of egregious in hindsight. Um, but it really just seems to me that the main, the main big novel parts about Axelar is that it's hooked into a pre-existing ecosystem that stood, stood the test of time being, IBC and Cosmos, uh, and it's leveraged this general messaging as like the base level of cross-chain bridging. And then it's it's done just a lot of, I'm assuming, technical engineering lifts to get to the point where it's been able to connect the EVM to IBC and then also all the other chains. So th this is my mental model of uh, so far uh, as a result of this episode. Is that right? Yeah, I think that, that sums it up. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the one thing that I just want to add, right, is that kind of a, even if you have general message passing or things like that, you, you still have to think about how do you build the types of application experiences that we talk about, right? So when, you know, when, when a user submits a transaction some year, like, how do you make sure it actually gets executed on Arbitrum, right? Like, who's going to pay gas there and things like that? And so, you know, we've augmented kind of the, the, the network itself with a lot of services that allow you to do those things, right? And so um, I think... The developer experience building in a multi-chain world is very, very different. You have, you know, asynchronous message passing and you have execution on remote chains and things like that. So you actually have to build, you know, a lot of services around these um, core protocols to make sure the experience is like as seamless as possible, right? And that's sort of, you know, the, the, the final piece that we're working on is, is uh, actually building the types of tooling that developers need to build these types of applications.
And Sonny, if we can uh, put the Cosmos hat on, just how would you, when we zoom all the way back out uh, and view Cosmos both as a, a um, an ecosystem of many, many chains and also a long-term project that started, I think, sometime in like 2016 or 2017, what, what does this technology mean for Cosmos? How does it fit into the whole Cosmos vision? So, I mean, there's no one Cosmos vision, but my Cosmos vision is has always been the sort of Cosmos Ethereum merger vision, right? Um, you know, the success of Ethereum L2s, Arbitrum, OP stack have kind of brought the like toolkit for building blockchains, uh, innovation marketplace that Cosmos already is conceived of to the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, the, and, you know, there's also, you know, with Eigenlayer, things like ideas of like sort of subsetted validator sets, you know, uh, 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 like sort of, uh, you know, partial, you know, shared security, all of these things. So like, there's just been this general sort of convergence that I've believed in for a really long time of, you know, Cosmos ideas, Ethereum ideas into the one, like ultimately, like we're not here to, I'm not, I don't care if like Adam is about, is like the most valuable token or, or like what the price of ETH is. Like ultimately we're here to build a like a, uh, a secure infrastructure for for the entire world right that's the ultimate goal and so to me it's always been about like how do you blend these like all of these different technology ideas to get to that and so like to me the vision is cosmos ethereum it's all one thing uh ultimately for the users um and the users are just getting like robust secure financial primitives and other you know interactions transactional primitives um, that like they couldn't get anywhere else. Um, and so, you know, in the ordinary world, if you wanted to have something like, you know, sommelier, you'd be, you know, sending your money to a hedge fund. Um, and instead you have like a decentralized secure system that like protects its users, um, from like strategists going, you know, off the rails, doing anything malicious. Um, it's actually able to have a coherent security model, but allows for extracting alpha that you wouldn't be able to get it. Stephen, part of the uh, the recent uh, Arbitrum announcement was not only the launch of the Arbitrum DAO that made everyone very excited, but um, the idea of multiple Arbitrum chains being built in a stack. Uh, and so we got layer twos and we got the layer threes and everyone loves all the chains. Uh, how just from now that Arbitrum is on like kind of the receiving end of Sommelier, Sommelier, gosh, I'm so sorry, Zachy, uh, Sommelier and, and the interoperability efforts from, from Axelar, is there like, how, how is all of these chains going to interoperate with the Axelar bridge? And overall, what is the net, net effect upon Arbitrum, uh, AKA like, why is this bullish for Arbitrum? Yeah. So, so a few things, uh, to, to be said, first of all, I think, you know, just, Getting um, you know more access to Arbitrum, you know, I think the fact that this is starting off with Arbitrum is very you know it's a good sign for for Arbitrum and you know, the strength of the ecosystem, and that's where you know a lot of the strong DeFi is. So you know it's it's exciting to see that the you know, decision has made to expand to Arbitrum first. But when it comes to the um, L2s and other L3s, so yeah, it's a great question. Which is like, so how do those fit into the to the bridging uh, environment? If I understand, and then like um, how. How basically, you know, will they use Axelar or something else? So um, the answer is like, oh, I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, there there is, um, particularly when it comes to layer three chains, arbitrary orbit chains, there is um, the ability for these things to talk to, together a little more natively. Um, so to actually have some native uh, interaction. So in a rollup, for example, in Arbitrum, 
you know, that there, there, there's a, there's a view out there that says all rolled up sorry is a, is a bridge, right? So, um, you know, there's just like, uh, one, one of the framings of what roll ups are or what chains are even more generally. And, um, you know, so there, there is, you know, the Arbitrum obviously has a direct bridge to, to Ethereum. Um, and, and one of the interesting things though is, um, okay, but what about these other chains? What about two Arbitrum chains, right? Today there's Arbitrum 1 and Arbitrum Nova. Can they talk together? So today they don't talk together, um, better than that, right? They can talk together via Ethereum. So there is room and there, there are these fast bridging solutions that go ahead and talk to one another, um, you know, can, can bridge that gap. I think over time, um, there are opportunities to develop technology that can allow different layer threes to talk together um, more broadly or different layer twos to talk together um, uh, more, more, you know, more directly connected, but you will have, that will always only be like, you know, in the same family of technology, but if you want to reach past that, say to get to the Cosmos ecosystem, say to get to the, um, you know, to other ecosystems, you're going to need uh, interoperability solutions that don't have those same native properties and or don't have those same native abilities. And those are, I think, are going to be very important. One other thing, you know, which I'll mention, which I think is very interesting, um, not, not to digress too much into the uh, into the optimistic uh, or the roll-up wars, but one really one thing that comes up a lot with rollups, people like to talk about the benefits between like different types of rollups, and bridging is one of those that that comes up right away. You know, people say, well, zk rollups have a faster bridging, which is which is uh, you know, it's which is true, right? If the if the proofs are faster, it's not instant. It's usually hours to to days, hours to half a day or so, depending on on the rollup. But I think what people miss and what this show actually highlights is that's looking at a very, very narrow bridging uh, example, right? When you talk about bridging from Ethereum to a rollup, um, people like to focus very much, but in a multi-chain world or a cross-chain world or whatever the term you want to use, um, both ZK rollups and optimistic rollups or any type of rollup that want to access other ecosystems or other or go across the, the boundary, not just to the chain that they're built on, are going to have to rely on uh, other other bridging uh, technologies. Um, they can be more native, they can be... Um, Third-party technologies that can be Axelar, um, and they're all going to be kind of think important to this to this big ecosystem. So, um, you know, from an off-chain technology perspective, I think you know interoperability is the frontier right now, um, and this is uh, very very exciting to, uh, to to see today's announcement. Well, Zachy, Steven, Sergey, I really appreciate you guys uh, walking me through the the story here. And so, Sergey, I'll, I'll let you end it here. Uh, if listeners are piqued and they want to learn more about this, maybe they're a developer and they want to open up the docs, or they're just a, a user and they want to use, uh, where out they go? Yeah, I mean, I think a good starting point is just to go to Axel.network website, you know, and from there you can find links to Discord. We have, uh, you know, developer channels uh, um, and you can find links to the docs. So it's docs.axel.dev and you can take it from there. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show today. Like always, Bankless Nation risks and disclaimers. Crypto is risky. ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. Cross-chain bridges probably are still risky. Yeah, at least they are headed in the right direction. You can lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we are glad you are with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.